Hi all, I want to start this series out by saying first and foremost I wish to speak the truth in love, and I wish to make a case for the Spirit of God being essential for salvation in a way that doesn't invalidate any relationship you may already have with God. My goal is not to make you feel less than, or wrong, but I desire you to have a deeper understanding of God's Word and the unchanging principles of His plan for our lives. The Temple and the Spirit is a three-part series that will systematically prove, through the Word of God and my own observations, that the Spirit is the only way to see God at the end of it all. It says in Matthew 7 13-14 Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. The Christian faith today is a very broad road with millions upon millions of believers. Those of every walk of life claim Jesus as their Savior, but do they really know Him? Christianity today is easy but following Jesus is a little harder. At one point early in His ministry Jesus had 500 people following Him, and then He spoke a hard truth and many went away leaving at first the 70, and then the 12. My sincere desire is that you hear this truth and can draw closer to Him, and hold fast to the doctrine of His Word. These posts will draw heavily on what I've already written in the past, but that being said let's begin. The setup of the tabernacle is in my opinion, the most detailed section of the Bible aside from the description of how to build the Ark of the Covenant. The dimensions are precise and repeated, and no detail is spared. From how the linen was to be woven to how many rings held up the curtain. But more amazing than that to me, is how it details the path of salvation. Before I go too deep into it though, I want you to picture with me the proportions of the tabernacle. There was the outer court, the inner court, and the holiest of holies. 1 Corinthians 6:19 talks about how our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Tell me, when you draw out a human body next to a picture of the tabernacle, what do you see? The tabernacle is directly proportional to the body. The outer court encompasses the arms and the legs, the inner court encompasses the torso and the heart, and the holiest of holies is the head. That in and of itself is amazing. But it's more than that. Because you see, many people could enter into the outer courts of the tabernacle. Visitors and outsiders could come to offer sacrifices to the Israelites' God. The inner court was more exclusive, reserved only for the people of the tribes of Israel. Not just anyone could go here. And the holiest of holies? Only one person, once a year could witness the glory of God. In the same way as it relates to the body, so too can many people do works in His name with their arms reaching, and legs walking towards all kinds of ministry. But it warns in His Word about people who know Jesus with only their deeds and not their heart. Depart from me you workers of iniquity, I never knew you. Jesus speaks elsewhere about the Pharisees having everything nice and neat on the outside by sticking to the letter of the law, but having their hearts far from them. The outer courts are where many people begin their walk with God, but too many times people stay there. You sacrifice your will to serve Jesus, are baptized in His name, altar and wash tub in outer courts, and begin to get involved with your new church, whether it's through a local food bank or the hospitality team, or even simply beginning to share your story with those you're close to. Please, let me reassure some of you if you are new to God and reading this. You are doing absolutely nothing wrong by getting plugged into doing things. But a relationship with God is not just reaching out. It is absolutely biblical and good to get involved. But God has more for you than just that. You may have begun to change your world, but now God wants to change you. This is where we enter into the inner courts. This is where the heart lies, not just our hearts, but God's also. Here, we begin to see the character of God more clearly than His works. We begin to see the love that motivates the miracles, and the pain that we cause when we fall short. But rejoice over the intense emotion you may feel in this stage of your walk with Him. I speak about the emotional language of God in another post, 
But do we realize sometimes just how much closer we feel to Jesus in those moments of joy, shelter, regret and peace than we do in those moments of provision? The people who keep walking into the inner courts are the people that Jesus can really begin to change, and use and trust. Can you imagine for a moment, what a powerful feeling it is to know that the God of all heaven and earth and creation, the God of oceans and thunder, trusts you. He can trust you because it is here that you truly begin to discover a deeper love for Him, and grow your relationship not just on works, but on conversations, and study, and opening up the more difficult parts of yourself and having Him prove worthy of your honest, transparent brokenness. It can be a scary thing to let out all the anger, hurt and sadness to Him. Sometimes we're afraid He'll get angry right back. Other times we're afraid He'll judge us harshly for our thoughts or worse still, invalidate everything we had just said. But God doesn't respond like we expect Him to. He reacts in patient love, in understanding, in correction in the right time, and in guidance for the future. The inner courts are ripe with the fruits from the labors of your love for the amazing Father that we get to know and serve. Then we enter into the holiest of holies where we are filled with the fullness of God Himself, and rejoice in knowing that like Moses, now He knows us by name. Make no mistake God is not a man that He should lie. It says in His Word, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. And what was Jesus? He was the union of spirit and flesh. So too must we become like Him not just in actions or in attitudes, but in all things. Oftentimes in the New Testament when Jesus prays to His Father that's the Spirit inside of Him, and it's what we are to have in us too. The head the holiest of holies where the glory of God shone, was not just for the Israelites of the Old Testament. It wasn't just for Ezekiel or John, it definitely wasn't meant for just those first twelve disciples. Tell me, if we are to become disciples of Jesus, shouldn't we still have today what they had back then in order to more effectively change not just our worlds, but ourselves? God's plan for salvation is about so much more than just getting baptized in His name, and doing things on His behalf. It says in His Word that He came to give us life, and life more abundantly. Not just in the world to come, but right here and right now while we dwell upon the earth. The Spirit of God makes us experience things in Jesus that we could never comprehend otherwise. There's a depth of experience that cannot be quantified, and not only does God want that for us, He commanded that for us. Repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This is a promise from His Word. Has God broken a single promise yet? In the next post, I want to go deeper into Scripture and link Jesus' words back to Moses and the very first evidence we have for His plan to meet us in heaven. I didn't post this one until I had the other two done, so please, take the next three days and read these verses for yourself. Pray. And then read the next one with an open mind and heart.